Hey everyone, welcome once again to the Conversations That Matter podcast. I have a guest with me to share a story, something that's going on now, something in my mind that's actually uh, compelling, uh, inspiring in some ways, but also a sign of the times, because we know that persecution against Christians is ramping up, and we know the uh, where it's coming from. It's it's coming from a, a radical, secular, uh, Marxist, and, and now LGBT lobby that really seeks to smear and discredit and then and, and, and attack anyone who would stand up for biblical morality. Well, one of those people is with me today, and that's uh, Pastor J.D. Hall, and uh, I appreciate you so much joining me. Thank you, Pastor Hall. Sure. Thanks, John. So I want to get into this story a bit. Uh, many people know you from your uh, polemics, pulpit and pen, protestia, but some don't know that you're also active in politics. So I think that's important to understand for this story. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, it's kind of funny. I live in two different worlds, it seems like, where the, the people that know that I'm involved in politics don't know that I'm involved in polemics. And then the people that know that I'm involved in polemics don't know I'm involved in politics. And so um, a lot of people are surprised to find out either one, depending upon which side of the aisle that they're that they're in. Um, to me, there's very little difference. And, uh, we, uh, <laughs> uh, I, I make a point of that every time that I speak somewhere in the state. And, and of course, uh, I'm not nationally known for politics, but statewide, uh, pretty much anybody who's anybody knows me. And, uh, every time I speak, I am very famous for saying the problem to our, or rather the problem is not is not politics and the solution is not politics, but the problem is sin and the answer is Jesus. And so what God has done is really create an opportunity for me to go into secular organizations to speak and then to preach the gospel. So it's kind of bit the opposite of what Greg Locke does in which typically he goes to religious events and preaches politics. I go to political events and preach Jesus. And so um, that's that's what I'm known for. When people say, why are preachers involved in, in politics? I would say, well, because they intersect. Politics and religion intersect. I mean, politics are downstream from religion. What we believe affects the way that we vote, um, clearly. And so, you know, I, I've been I've been doing politics actually longer than I've been a preacher. Um, but not just politics, but in particular, this this last go around that has occupied so much of my time over the last year has not really been political, but cultural. And that that does affect uh, the, the church even more so than politics. Right, uh, it certainly does. And so my understanding is uh, not only you, how do you have uh, websites and you publish things, but you, you've gone around, you've spoken at various political events, uh, even at, at the Capitol, and, uh, and you share Christian ethics, but you also share the gospel. And have you seen fruit from this? I'm, I'm sure you have. Yeah. And so let, let me explain first, John, my my dalliance into politics in Montana. Um, I When I first moved here, shortly thereafter, I became the, the chairman of the Republican Party. And I mean, I, that was 15 years ago. And I got disenchanted with McCain and then Romney. And so I'm like, you know what? If this is conservatism, I really don't want to have anything to do with this. This is like David French style conservatism. This isn't really conservatism. And so I quit and it was overtaken by rhinos. The next thing I know, there's a woman named Tammy Christensen who was going to run for office. She was the heir apparent for that position for our local representative position at the state house. And because her father had that position off and on for 30 years, we have term limits, but to get around it, they just swap back between the house and the Senate, you know, it's just a uh. dog and pony show. And so he's, you know, he had that job for, for decades and she was like next in line to get it prominent local business owner and, uh, you know, the tractor dealership and all that, which is a big deal in the small town. And I didn't think anything about it. I'm at a town hall and the woman says that she's pro-choice, but she's running on the Republican ticket. And so I'm like, did I hear that right? And I'm looking around going, did she just say that? Did she just say that she was pro-choice? And I'm relatively early, you know, new in this community. I've only been here for a few years. And every, somehow every face in the room turned around and looked at me like I'm on the back row because I'm a back row Baptist, right? But they know that I'm a loudmouth by this point. So they look at me like, what are you going to do about it? And so that's when I decided to uh, to kind of take over the Republican Party locally and 
and, and to, to make sure that she wasn't elected. And then after that job was done, I backed out. And then after a few years of good candidates, another rhino popped in. I tried to stop him, but we couldn't stop him in time. He took office. And so I kind of game plan for two years to take over the central committee again. And we did that. And then we put a good candidate in and, you know, now I'm the state committee man for, for our, uh, our central committee. And so that's how I got involved in this. It's basically motivated entirely by the pro-life issue. Um, I, you know, all we can do is what we can do. And, and I know that we can have most control over our own backyard. I don't want to see my county go blue because I, I what, if, what happens at the state house affects the rest of us. Um, um, right throughout the state and in particular in montana if you can understand the nuances of that um we have like like washington and oregon and if you met the people from washington and oregon these are some of the most conservative people in the entire country but the problem is those states are very blue on the electoral map because of portland and and seattle, seattle. yeah and they control the rest of the state and so what we have to worry about in montana is like bozeman becoming a hub for liberals through the technology market because it's becoming a technology hub that's going to control the rest of the state and turn it red so we're from eastern montana and so i've just had opportunities over the years which basically ignited like like um, like thermite over the summer and that kind of picks us up where we're at now so over the summer um you know we wrote a story about a transvestite at the Capitol, at the Montana Daily Gazette newspaper, one of our publications, who was doing just unspeakable things <coughs> with a group of other uh, transsexuals that kind of overtook the Capitol for a day. They were running amok, and we were fielding phone calls and answering questions um, or, or, or answering phone calls about um, who these people were and why were they there and and the things that they had done were nearly unspeakable and the name of that article is who are, who's the gothic transvestite um, haunting the halls of the montana state capitol and so uh we get a letter or our, actually i reach i reach out to this fellow first and um said hey we're going to run a pub personal interest story on you and about your, your actions down there today uh, could, could you, you know, can, can we talk about this? And he says, no, cause you've misgendered me and et cetera, et cetera. Um, because I don't use preferred pronouns cause I, 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 I don't lie. And so, um, uh, I, I think I called him Mr. Um, Jawart, which is his name. And then, uh, we had, uh, a, an email sent to us after we ran the article that said retract this but didn't it didn't give us a reason why to retract it why why anything in it is, is unfactual and he sent um, a summons to court which i just kind of passed off to my attorney and 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 shrugged away um because i mean at pulpit and pen we've been threatened to be sued like five million times um but in order for something to be libelous it has to be untrue and malicious and and willful and it's it's a, it's a you know it's it's a difficult standard to prove but in this case uh, we believed it to be the the truth and and certainly not malicious or, or willful in any way and i sought comment before the fact but um next thing i know he's got like a gofundme that says um he wants to sue me for transphobic hate speech which again it's not not a thing but it's that you got to understand that in the course of my life that's just another day like, I mean, Jonathan Kahn threatened to sue me um, and like made, it was kind of funny when Jonathan Kahn threatened to sue me. And uh, this was, uh, I think before the New York Times interviewed me on Jonathan Kahn, um, he made up this fake attorney's letter and acted like an attorney. And, you know, Clayton Jennings had threatened to sue us. I remember us. that one. Yeah. Clayton Jennings threatened to sue us. And Greg Locke had mentioned in Newsweek that he was going to sue or sue us in Newsweek is what it was. It led to some national press interviews, which, again, it's got to be untrue for it to be. So, you know, so anyways, um, I didn't think much about it. 
But then a very interesting event occurred in the summer in June of 2020. I'm coming back from the Montana GOP uh, kickoff uh, or convention rather. And I have with me all of the delegates from Richland County. And we're leaving Helena, which is a very blue dot because it's the state capital. So it just attracts bureaucrats and bureaucrats are not typically Republicans. It attracts lobbyists of all kinds. Montana has a huge amount of dark money in the state. And so there are a lot of people just trying to, I mean, when you're a small rural state, but you still have equal representation in the Senate, for example, you're going to have a lot of money pour in from Vermont and Maine and New York and California and from all over the country trying to basically parasite your two senators. And so um, Helena just attracts, you know, all the liberals in the world. And it's kind of a zoo over there in Western Montana. So we stop at a gas station called the Town Pump. And it's the largest gas station chain in Montana. It's a Montana-owned chain that got started from the Montana Coal Fund through public resources. And um, there's a casino in every single Town Pump gas station in Montana. Um, but in some towns like Coal Strip, it's the only gas station that there is. And so you, you kind of have to patronize them, whether you like it or not. And um, like if you were to take all of the casinos, excuse me, slot machines in Montana, town pump gas stations and add them up, there'd they'd be more ga- uh, 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 slot machines than in Las Vegas. Wow. A, yeah, true, true story. Um, they make about $600 million a year. So anyways, we go into the uh um the gas station and ordinarily when i see a a quote-unquote transgender person i i don't typically say anything you know i might i might slide a track across the counter or something but that's about it but this time the the uh the transvestite was wearing a pin that was uh pink and blue striped which the last time i knew was the pro-life colors And I knew that because we had um, uh, begun to sue the city of Bozeman over painting the crosswalks, the uh, gay pride colors. We asked them to paint paint them blue and pink outside the Planned Parenthood clinic or the abortion clinic. I think it was an off-brand Planned Parenthood for the the unborn. They said no. And then we we went to to sue them for viewpoint discrimination. So he's wearing this pro-life pin, which intrigues me. Why is it? Why is the transvestite wearing a a pro-life pin. So I asked the, I asked him the question, what does your pin mean? Now, keep in mind, the Supreme Court has said that clothing is speech. And it's because somebody wore a shirt that said F you on it. And it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And they said, clothing is speech. You can't make him take his t-shirt off any sooner than you could stop him from saying that word, which short of a city ordinance, you can't do. And so, um, Anyways, uh, I asked him, what does this pin mean? He says, it stands for transgender pride. And so I say, uh, well, uh, you're not a woman, you're a man, clearly. And that's the way God made you. You need to repent of your sins and believe the gospel. And I didn't say it. I didn't scream it, didn't shout it, didn't yell it. I said it in a normal conversational tone as he's putting his, my, uh, you know, my, my snacks in a bag. And I go outside. And following me out as a customer who had heard that, this giant rhinoceros lesbian woman, and she just begins to scream. That's what I've been calling her all over the state because I don't know how else to describe her. She gets in my face and she (laughs) screams, yeah, she screams, you're going to hell and Jesus hates you and all kinds of imprecations far nastier than what I said. And in the meantime, you know, I've got all these witnesses that are standing. They watched it go down. They watched this go down in the parking lot. And like, I'm trying to get to my truck and she's preventing me. I'm like, could you get out of my way? You know? And so, um, you know, uh, I hear them call the police and say, we'd like to report the hate crime of transphobia. And I'm like, (laughs) all right. All right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so the clerk comes out and she's like, sir, can you leave? And I'm like, trying to, all right. Uh, and, and so, uh, we left, I immediately called the police and I said, Hey, this is so-and-so here's my number. Here's my name. Here's where I live. And here's my attorney's number. If you need to have someone explain the first amendment to you. So the, the police called at first and said, Hey, 
we had to go explain what you did was not against the law. There's no law against that. But six days later, they called back and said, well, we are thinking about charging you. Our police chief says with um, criminal misconduct because of the way the woman, you know, you had an altercation in the parking lot. And I'm like, I can't be held responsible for the behavior of someone else. So if I solicit a reaction and the reaction is the disturbance, right? I can't be held responsible for their reaction to what I said. Well, since then, that police chief has been arrested and he's now behind bars for pedophilia. So I don't think that, um, oh my goodness, I don't think that I'll be in trouble there. But, anyways, town pumps banned me from every town pump location in Montana. So, like, I had to go get a, uh, an auxiliary fuel tank for my pickup truck because there are some towns where you can't drive across the state without stopping at a town pump. And so they banned me from every, every location. So what we did, John was, uh, I had my attorney, Brent Allen winners, um, uh, from a, a common lawyer. Uh, he has a podcast and, and he sent a letter to them. Uh, and he's, he's a good, very good Christian man. And he said, you have 20 days to recant or we're going to sue you for violation of the Montana, excuse me, the 1964 civil rights act, because you just discriminated against pastor hall's religious viewpoint in a place of public accommodation and so you're the one that has broke his civil rights then we had about 10 or 12 legislators sign on to that letter saying we're going to pass legislation banning um any uh state employee from using their fuel card at town pump um because you violated religious free speech on your premises and um and they were serious we already had the bill written we were ready to go and last year our state gave them six hundred thousand dollars of their six hundred million six hundred thousand of it came from the state of montana so um the legislator legislature is perfectly within its its uh, bounds yeah. to, to decide how our money is spent if we don't want to give it to that business we don't have to and so um in the meantime without me even trying um, trucking companies found out about this because a senator had posted it and went in and canceled their accounts. And by my count, it's about $3.6 million that they lost um, roughly overnight once this story broke. And so within 19 days, um, on the 19th day, we got a letter saying, well, we'll unban you uh, from the town pumps and we'll take that back. Um, but don't go back to that one gas station. I said, that's, that's, that's fine. So that put me on the radar of the groups that are all funded by dark money outside dark money, including love lives here, which you've probably never heard of the Montana mm -hmm. human rights coalition and Planned Parenthood, all of which are funded by, um, George Soros. Now keep in mind, Planned Parenthood doesn't just do abortion. Their hand is in everything that is wicked. It doesn't matter if it's drag queen story time or if it's, you know, gay marriage. I mean, they, they will lobby for anything that is wicked and, and evil. So even though this doesn't have anything to do with abortion, we st still see Planned Parenthood's fingerprints all, all over this. Real this quick, when, the when attention did, of all the wrong people. When did this whole thing, this event at the gas station, when did that happen? That was in June. That was that recent. Okay. All and right. Over, so, and over by, over by July. Yeah. But that was in June. So we, you know, we won that round and that really ticked them off. And so then I preached a sermon that you can find on sermon audio, uh, called transhumanism in the transgender movement, something like that. Um, and you can see that it's right there along June, July. And there's a moment in the middle of the sermon where I stop and I get emotional. And I said, I'm tired of this nonsense. I'm tired of this. I quit. I quit. I'm not, I'm not going to do this any, any, any longer. I, I, I'm not playing along anymore. And so, you know, there was something in me that broke that said, I'm tired. Not that I ever did pretend that a man was a woman, but I'm tired of being pushed upon me. So like, um, a week before the town pumpkins and I was in Billings and they have this screen 
which is in more of a normal place in Montana. We, there's, there's a screen on the gas pump and, and it was during gay pride month and, and the transvestite comes on the screen, this big black guy. And he's like, I'm a woman and you need to appreciate me as a woman or you're a bigot. That's my summary. And so, um, I go into the gas station. I say, Hey, listen, and I, I'm not a raving lunatic screaming or anything. I'm going, Hey, listen, I came here to buy gas. I didn't come here to be socially engineered. There's a gas station across the street. I would have gone to if I knew I was going to, I wouldn't get a sermon by a transvestite telling me it's my moral obligation to accept him as a woman when clearly that's not the scientific or objective reality of the situation. So I know it's not your fault. You're just a clerk, but when you see the corporate office, would you please tell them I don't appreciate being socially engineered when I just came to buy gas. Thank you. And I leave three guys come out and I'm like, Oh, great. Okay. Now I'm on code red. I'm going to get whoops. No, they all wanted to shake my hand because that was a normal place in Montana. That was the week before, but you can see that that sermon when I preached on transhumanism. And the point of that was going back to Genesis chapter, chapter three, um, the sin of Eve was because she wanted to be like God. Satan was cast out of heaven because he wanted to be like God. They built the Tower of Babel because they wanted to be like God. Um, and today we still see this desire to become like God. Right. And God introduced, him, introduced himself as I am the creator. Uh, in the beginning, God created, and it's God made them male and female, both male and female. God created them with that rabbinic repetition that we see two or three times in the scripture. God created them male and female. So if you want to steal for yourself the attributes of God, you would start with assigning gender. Hmm. That's one of the first things that a doctor says when he pulls a baby out of the womb. It's a boy. It's a girl. Before he even says it has 10 fingers and 10 toes. Um, he doesn't have to say it's a human. We know that part, but it's a boy. It's a girl. Why? Because that's a central tenant of who we are as humans. And so what transsexuals say is, and this is a quote unquote, uh, it, what they say is, and this is the ironic part, is that we're denying their humanity. Like when I did a post about why transgenderism doesn't exist because it literally does not exist. Okay. So no one has ever changed their gender in the history of mankind. And, you know, it, people said, well, you're denying our humanity. I'm not denying your humanity. I'm affirming your humanity, who God made you to be intrinsically right. as a man or a woman. So, um, I was castigated by conservatives and Republicans for that, John, at the town pump. Um, not, I mean, not greatly, but people were casting shade. Like, you know, is that the best way to do it? I don't know if that's the best way to do it. Like, you could have like got to know them first, and and you could got have, a cup of coffee with them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it was, it was, it was right. that type of crap. And or from like the libertarian branch of the Republicans, they were like, "Well, just let the guy live his life. He's just there to work. At least he has a job. He's not on welfare." And I'm going, listen, all I know is I've got 30 seconds in that dude's life. It, it, I was struck like a deer in the headlights as much as he was. I mean, I, 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 I wasn't anticipated. I, I felt, and, and people say, you didn't give him any warning. I didn't have any warning that a dude was going to be wearing a dress. I got a little bit closer. I'm like, that's, that's, a, that's a dude. It's a, sorry, from an Eastern Montana rural guy, I don't see that every day. It's a little startling. And so it was just as much disconcerting for me as it was for him. Right. Well, anyways long story short, I find this guy six months, more than six months later. And, um, the guy from I, the gas I, station. Yeah. And I had oh, a wow. friend, I had a friend in the nearby area. Montana uh, must be pretty small. If you're finding these guys, you find someone again, I'm not going to say where I found him. Okay. So, right. um, I had a guy stop into that gas station, uh, pastor and was going to witness to him because <laughs> he wasn't banned but he could never find him. So anyways, I happened to find this guy somewhere. And so, um, guess what? He's no longer a woman uh, or pretending to be. Wow. Um, beard, masculine. And so I, I say, you remember who I am? He's like, Oh yeah, I remember where you are. I said, uh, what's, what's, what's this? And he says, um, after that night, I went home and I was peeing, standing up, and I thought, that guy's right. I'm not a woman. You've got to be kidding me. So your, your comment actually. And he says, he says, 
my boss reinforced that I was a woman, my coworkers reinforced that I was a woman, my parents, my siblings, my friends, my psychiatrists, they all reinforced that I was a woman. Every single customer that went into that store and called me Mary, every single customer that went and, 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 and called me ma'am, they all reinforced that I was a woman. It took one guy to come up to me and say, you're not a woman. Oh my and goodness. And he thought about it that night. I don't know if, so we're following up. We pray that they receive Christ, but they're no longer pretending yeah. to be a woman. So it can, it can make a difference in people's lives. So that kind of flipped, but, but what that did was that incident, which it didn't make the news so much as it made its rounds in social media and the political blogs around the state that brought the wrong attention to where this, um, transvestite individual, um, that I wrote the story about then was able to get legal counsel who happened to be the president of planned, uh, not president, the attorney for planned parenthood. He's suing our attorney general to overturn four pieces of pro-life legislation that were passed in the last legislative session and another law firm uh, consisting of girls that came from the ninth circuit's court of appeals because Montana's under the ninth circuit. God forbid. Right. I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah. Under the California appellate system, but um, and so, uh, they, all they do is sue Christy Jacobson, our attorney of state, uh, our, our secretary of state to overturn voter ID laws so that every dead Democrat and their dog can vote. And so, um, on top of that, then they started to sue me and that's when it got out of hand. And John, I, I can't talk about, uh, the lawsuit, um, or, uh, some of the fallout, but that's when it really started to, to get wild. But here's what happens, and here's here's the main story that I want to focus on. Um, when you're sued, what most people do is, and this is what they want you to do, is to cower like a church mouse and be scared and to stay inside um, your church, keep it in there, and 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 then cower and bend and yield. And I'm going to be honest with you. If I could talk about Kerry Gordon for a second. Um, I felt, uh, fear for the first time in my life, um, because I, I'm, I'm a little bit different and I, you know, a touch of Asperger's and I'm just a different egg. I don't really feel fear. Like I'm not really afraid of people or situations or anything. It's just not an emotion that I have. And <clears throat> often anyway, and it was so off-putting that, I mean, within two days, it really concerned me. And I, I, I prayed with Carrie and he said, I, I pray that these people would feel the fear of God for the first time in their life. And, and he said, listen, the reason this is so foreign to you is this is demonic. And uh, he prayed with me. And I tell you what, that gave me a dose of courage. And I said, screw this. I'm not going to stay here and keep quiet. I'm going to go out West where there are these little nests of homosexuals and activists, and I'm going to preach right in their backyard. And that's what I did. I preached 90 times over the course of the summer in 60 different venues, because I would go back to some of the same venues several times. Only one church in all those 90 places. So I'm preaching to secular organizations and groups because they know me as the political guy, but what they get is Jesus when I show up. Right. Um, and um, that, that about darn near killed me, but that kind of brings us up yeah, where we're at now. Well, I saw so I saw Kerry Gordon's post uh, where his church uh, made a very encouraging video to support yeah, you. Great. And then uh, I someone sent me some news stories from Montana. And so right now, if, I mean, if you put your name into like Google News or something, you'll have all the local um, Montana, a lot of them, at least the Sydney Herald, Great Falls Tribune, KTVH, uh, Actually, I'm not even sure if all these are in Montana, the Newark Advocate, perhaps they are. there's a bunch of others and they're, they're talking about uh, what, what's going on, you know, with this case. And um, and so some, I, I guess, are, are more favorable and, and I'm assuming most are not. But uh, that's that's kind of the dose that I yeah, got. Ma mass mass resistance put out a really good article. All I'll say is um, uh, about that. Uh, ordeal is that uh you don't realize how corrupt the judicial system is until you get until you get into it so in eastern montana with a jury of my peers i'm relatively relatively safe 
Um, and they but, want to move um, it though. Right. And so, you know, we've been able to get politicians elected and unelected, but the problem is judges are nonpartisan. And so in Montana, like everywhere, the judicial branch of government is, is usually the worst. Um, so far as liberalism is concerned, just right. the way it is, even when we have, you know, a, a majority on the Supreme court of conservatives, isn't it weird that there's always like a conservative or two signing, siding with the liberals on important yeah, issues. Cause like we don't have a majority of conservatives. Houses. That's why. <laughs> and so, uh, uh, one exception was our district judge and uh i'm sure she hates my guts uh because i I, you know like one time i called her out for letting a 26 year old out of jail for dui so he could attend prom with his underage girlfriend like i called her out at a public meeting for that and i'm sure she remembers that and then her son is like you know um uh uh the prosecutor at a nearby county and and uh, was going to enforce a mask mandate that was above and beyond that of our governor. This was back during the COVID crisis, and I kind of chopped him off at the knees. And so I'm sure she remembers this t- this type of thing. And so um, it, it was supposed to stay within our district. Um, I mean, that's kind of how it's supposed to go, which is basically all of eastern Montana. And then they used like a veto, like they said, they each side gets one veto to move the case. And, and they used their veto card on that judge, which would have been fair. It would have been a jury that was at least near my county and near my peers. And, and there's a lot of difference between an Eastern Montana and a Western Montana, Montana. But anyways, through a, a, a lot of details I won't go into, it got moved to the most liberal judge in the state um, who's uh, mannish in her own ways. I'll leave it there. And, um, she, uh, yeah, she, she's, she was going to take off my head with a guillotine. I mean, she was ready to, uh, to, uh, um, go scorched earth and, um, like she dismissed a summary judgment and dismissed, um, uh, a counterclaim without even a hearing. Mm-hmm. And, and then, um, I claimed that I was a dangerous and menacing. And so it's like, it's like the, the discovery requests and, or in their complaints, they would cite the scripture verses that they found to be so, um, uh, so threatening. And I'm like, thanks a lot for praying, Carrie, that they'd be, they'd feel the fear of God. I didn't know that that was a sanctionable offense, but <laughs> anyway, right. so, uh, I, I go out and, uh, I, I preach, I, I went on the first, the Arise USA tour, and there was six tour buses led by Trent Luce and David Allen Steele, and they wanted a preacher to go with them through the state as they're going through the country. So they called me. And so I went with them. And then I would just, I preached only west of Billings, not in eastern Montana, because I didn't want to taint our jury pool. Little did I know that it would wind up in Cascade County under the worst judge uh, in the state. And so, um, yeah, then forced into into bankruptcy over that. And then, you know, my enemies are dancing in the streets. Ah, he's bankrupt. Um, in the course of the preaching over the over the last year, um, or over the last six months, uh, and we don't do altar calls, John. Like I didn't think you did. No. So it's hard to keep track, but we've had two 204 people reach out to us saying that they've been born again or saved by my preaching. Those are the ones that reached out to us. I'm not talking about those who raised their hand and closed their eyes and bowed their head Right. Uh, that we followed up with to make sure that they get into a church, which has been difficult in some of those locations um, to make sure that they get baptized. I've baptized uh, many of those We've had seven homosexuals come to uh, Christ and turn from homosexuality and two transgender people, quote unquote, transgender people. Um, if all that happens is, is the bankruptcy, um, as terrible as that is, you know, I don't know how terrible it is, but how uh, I'd be willing to die for what I just said. Yeah. It would be worth my death and hanging on the gallows. It'd be worth the guillotine from 
the original judge whose hands it's now out of. It, it, it would be worth a hundred deaths because people have come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah, I'll point out uh, some political things like the Democratic Party platform is little more than a point-by-point -point refutation of the Ten, Com Ten Commandments. You know, thou shalt not murder, and they've got abortion, and, and that's the Sixth Commandment. And thou shalt, thou shalt not commit adultery, and they have gay pride parades in the street and celebrate adultery and cohabitation and every type of sexual sin they celebrate. Or thou shalt not steal, the Eighth Commandment, and they, they're socialists. They violate that, you know, um, as a major part of their party platform. I mean, just today, this morning, I saw that they now have the votes to pass a reparations bill through the House of Representatives. That's in, will be in your headlines this morning when you get around. In Montana? Or no, in the U.S. House of Representatives. Oh, are you serious? I have not yeah. been following that. Yeah. Oh, in my the US goodness. House of Representatives. Yeah, it's on Drudge Report this morning. Okay. Um, then on the, the Ninth Commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. And, and that judge, um, the original, uh, well, not the original judge, but like the third, the judge that they found that they wanted, uh, finally said I'd have to wear a mask and that, you know, um, I, you know, it was just the, to, to, for me to have to raise my hand and say, I promise to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And then to hear the judge refer to this man as a woman. Right, is honestly right. just too much to, to take. And uh, it's, 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 it's exceedingly hard to do. And so moving forward, anytime I can have my attorney there without me being there is probably a wise thing because um, because of, of that, um, not that I would have an outburst or anything like that, but just because it, it would, it would make me exceedingly bitter on the inside. And, uh, I'd have to pray, you know, fervently, uh, to, uh, <clears throat> talk when it's time to talk. Right. And, uh, I'm sure the Lord would give strength to do that in that hour. Well, right now um, where, where things are right now, I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was because I saw these stories and, and uh, I saw Carrie's post and I want to get the scoop from you. But I, I wanted also to, to let viewers out there know what they can do to help. And I know they can pray for you. And but they, there's also, I think, a financial need here as well for the lawyers fees. I mean, you're I'm assuming they got a mountain of money that's never ending, probably they got a multiple. mountain of blood money. Yeah, there's right. a supply for murder is really high. And, uh, and, um, therefore they're, or rather the demand for murder is really high. And so, uh, you know, supply is lucrative. So they have a mountain of blood money to, to come after me. And, and that's what people don't realize either Republicans or, or Christians. They're like, Oh, Jordan got into a scrap with somebody over, um, you know, pronouns, doing, what he, yeah. doing what he does or whatever. Yeah. And it's like, uh, do you realize that I'm up against basically Planned Parenthood and the LGBTQ lobby before you celebrate um, my bankruptcy? Why don't you realize who I'm personally up against? All right. Before you celebrate that. But most importantly is prayer before we talk about the Liberty Defense Fund. Um, so I had an esophageal stricture that entire time all summer, which means I couldn't swallow. Sometimes I couldn't even swallow my saliva at night. I'd wake up choking. Oh my so I was goodness. incredibly dehydrated. I was, I had lunch with Justin Peters and I had just come off of a speaking tour and explained to him that I hadn't been able to eat or swallow or drink for like two days. And God had just removed it finally whatever was stuck in my throat got unstuck and I, I remember eating with him at the cracker barrel and it was the best meal i've ever ate in my life because it had been <laughs> days since i'd eaten so on wow. the speaking tour i couldn't eat because this esophageal stricture um until after i spoke that night in case i choked because it can't speak when i'm choking mm -hmm. and so i would just eat like a bag of peanuts a day maybe after i spoke so I've lost 70 pounds uh, since it began. Wow. And then I went to the doctor about a month ago and said, I'm, I'm dying. I don't know what's wrong, but I think I'm dying. And like I have organ failure or something. 
I'm not right because I was slurring my speech. I was, um, I had word displacement, stuttering, um, uh, all sorts of uh, staggering, um, uh, no motor skills. Like I told my kids, quit throwing me my car keys because they're hitting me in my face every time. Like I, I got no motor skills. Um, didn't know what was wrong. And the doctor runs a battery of blood tests and says, you had the vitamin D of a weak, dead old corpse. You have no vitamin D. They gave me 80,000, excuse me, 200,000 emergency Milligrams. units. Oh, yeah. And then put me on 40,000 units a day. Apparently you die without vitamin D. You kind of need it. Yeah. You kind of need it. And the doctor said, you're lucky that you're not dead for real. I have no idea how you walked in here. I literally have no, you should not have had the strength to walk in here. And which makes sense because I remember walking up the steps to like Columbus Hall in Cascade County where I could barely make it. Mm -hmm. um, I walked into the church one of those Sundays to preach and fell in the church parking lot, hit my head so hard I got a concussion and preached with my peripheral vision all blurry and people were colorful and I, and I fell down the church stairs a week before that. And, um, the EMTs had to come and, and get me up off the floor. Cause my knee had popped out a joint. And, I uh, mean, you, it was just, it was just yeah. a wreck, but since then they've, they've cured all that up. Here's the amazing thing though. All of those symptoms, they wouldn't disappear on a podcast necessarily, but they all disappeared when I was preaching. Wow. God, God gave me the strength to get through that where every sermon was fluent. Every, every time I spoke publicly out there, the name of Jesus Christ, um, it, it was, I don't want to say flawless, but I mean the, the speech and everything and motor skills, mannerisms, God gave me the grace sufficient for that specific hour. And that's, that's God's, you know, that's the, that's the power of prayer. And so when you think of a polemicist as just the guy complaining about the gospel coalition all the time, understand that, I mean, I haven't done polemics uh, hardly at all for nearly two years, maybe three. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I've assigned that to other, to other people within our organization. I've been focusing on this battle in particular for the last year. And so if you want to support us financially, um, you can give to the Liberty Defense Fund, which is uh, um, under our church's 501c3. And uh, that'll take care of those legal expenses. We got notice uh, yesterday that uh, they're coming after me uh, in, in bankruptcy court. Uh, so uh, oh, I'm so sorry. I, no, no, no. Uh -uh, uh -uh. Don't be. Uh, we still get <laughs> every night. I'd pray John Psalm 17, seven in thy presence. Vindicate me. Um, I still want my vindication. God's still going to give me my vindication in court yeah but a different a different one so, um so, god's well, god's good i'm not worried about that in the slightest um uh so uh, the last thing i'm doing is running from a confrontation or or a legal fight it's just because of the situation because of of everything that has transpired it's just gonna have to be a different court i guess what's the website uh just you mentioned the defense oh, fund, but where do people go yeah, just go to fbcsydney.com okay fbc is in fellowship baptist church fbc sydney like nebraska not australia s-i-d-n-e-y not okay. two y's uh dot com and click liberty defense fund you can give right there perfect they'll take they'll take care of my my legal needs uh sufficiently and so we're thankful that god has provided that and so if I could just give a, a word of encouragement, Please do. Um, John, to everybody out there. Um, yeah, you'll take the heat. And, you know, last night my son was bowling and my 16 year old son and somebody shows up um, uh, some kid and kids are mean. And they're like, here's your dad on the front page of the paper declaring bankruptcy. Why do you have money to bowl? and uh then, are you serious uh, oh my goodness yeah yeah a kid at a christian school and and uh, my son is not as prepared to handle that as my as my daughter she'll rip somebody's face off because she's a couple years older and slightly more mature uh much more mature um but my my wife works at the hospital and um <laughs> i think the only reason that newspaper stays alive is because of hospital 
subscriptions because every room gets one right and they're all over the desks and there my face is on the front page of the paper my wife has to walk by it like you know a oh, hundred times a day and then it sparks conversation are you this guy's wife um yes uh, yes this isn't and, encouraging yet jd <laughs> well the encouraging part is there's another local paper in town that has uh, allowed people to defend me and um people understand the real story. And so I went to a meeting Monday night, a civics meeting uh, that I'm obligated to go to because I'm, I'm an elected official for that office. And uh, it was the first time I had to come out in public after the bankruptcy news broke. And I didn't, I didn't really want to go. And I don't think I'm going to keep going. I don't know. Um, after my term is up, because I've obviously I've other severe things to deal with besides local peddly crap. And my wife's like, why go? You don't have to go. And I go, no, I'm going. Cause I'm going to hold my head up high. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not ashamed. Um, I have nothing to be ashamed of. I've fought the good fight. I've run the good race as hard as I could, as good as I could. And these people that want to judge me, what, what, what are they spending their life doing? And the fact is, John, here's the thing from Irrigan Canner, or Liberty, uh, excuse me, Louisiana College back in the early days of pulpit and pen, all the way through Greg Locke and Clayton Jennings and Jonathan Kahn. And you can't kick as much butt as I've kicked in life and not expect to have it kicked back once in a while. There's just consequences to live. If you live by the sword, you'll die by it. That's just the way it works. But the encouraging part is, in the end, I'll be vindicated. In the cry, in the end, Christ will vindicate me, and God wins. I mean, of all, of, how many souls have come to salvation through this? I have no idea. Yeah. But one day I'm going to know. Yeah. And then it's worth it. And I'm always quoting to people Isaac Watts: "Am I a soldier of the cross?" a follower of the lamb and do I dare, dare fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? Must I be carried to the skies on flowery beds of ease while, while I let others fight to win the prize and sell through bloody seas? Must I not do my best? Must I not stem this flood or is this vile world a friend of grace to help me on to God? No, I must fight if he would reign. So increase my courage, Lord. And I'll take the toil and endure the pain supported by thy word. Hmm. Listen, in some other countries, we'd be put in jail. In some other countries, we'd be put to death. And it turns out in this country, you may have to go bankrupt <laughs> for doing your best to tell the truth. Um, because the legal system sucks. Whatever. It doesn't matter. The truth is we have to be proclaiming the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And along with that, the law that brings the conviction of sins. And we need to be pointing out there's no such thing as transgenderism. It doesn't exist. That is a myth like the leprechaun or Sasquatch or moral Democrats. They just don't exist. Um, um, these are mythical creatures and we need to be pointing out reality to people. Um, and, you know, objective reality from God's general revelation and then bringing in the special revelation that reaches into people's hearts and, and, and turns a heart of stone into a heart of flesh. Amen. And last thing, John, people don't realize that polemics and what Montana daily Gazette is, is basically our polemical form of writing applied to politics that we kind of created at pulpit and pen over the years. Polemics is evangelism. And so when people say, why don't you do evangelism and do something worthwhile? It is evangelism pointing out the counterfeit by default is demonstrating the true. Um, you know, I have like a lady in my church that was saved because uh, someone sent her a message and said, you know, Stephen Furtick is garbage he's, he's a false teacher and she's like what and started looking into it and so well who, should, who do you think i should listen to and they're like alistair Begg. here's alistair Begg. 
And um, I've been a little disappointed with Alistair lately, but he's he's no Stephen Furtick, obviously. I mean, we can't put him in the same category, right? right. And so um, she was saved. Why? I mean, God's Holy Spirit using God's Holy Scripture, but because he used polemics to do that. It is evangelism. It is sharing the truth. And I kicked myself over that transvestite because I'm like, I had only had 30 seconds. I didn't drop a scripture on him. And we're born again, not by corruptible seed, but by incorruptible, which is the word of God. You know, I was mad at myself. I didn't use the scripture. You know, I just said, you're not a man, you're a woman. You should repent and believe in Jesus. I should have given some scripture, you know, dang it, Jordan. But the Lord was gracious enough to use that. And so even in our weakness, God's greatness is made known. Amen. And, and that's, that's the, the main story. And I guess hopefully that's the encouraging part is do not grow weary in well-doing for in due season, you shall reap a reward. Amen. Yeah, well, I'm encouraged by that. I didn't realize, I didn't know that about that story at the gas station. And, uh, you, you know, your courage, your bravery in this is infectious. And I hope people hear that and have the same reaction that they're willing to say something when, uh, you know, there's a risk involved. If people want to give, uh, I will just emphasize fbcsydney.org. You can go to the top. There's a tab. It says church giving and it comes down and there's general fund giving and then religious liberty fund. That's what you want to click on. And that'll take you to a uh, portal where you can donate. So um, I would just encourage people who want to help with uh, J.D. Hall's legal defense to go there. And then, of course, pray uh, for J.D. as I'm praying for J.D. And, um, and, and that, you know, you would be faithful and that the Lord would be merciful and that you'd be vindicated, as uh, you've talked about here. So I appreciate um, you sharing that. I know. Your time is limited as a pastor with and with everything else you're doing. But yeah, thank you I for have coming to, on. I have to I have to zoom out and go see my doctor and my attorney. It's okay. Well hours, I'm gonna let it's you do four it. hours away. So that's that's been my life. So that's why I covet your prayers. Yeah. Okay. Thank that's you. Well thank you for giving us your good. limited time. God bless you, JD. Bless you. All right, bye now. All right, bye. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.